cool is that? 2,200 people? That is awesome. 2,200 people serving one community, but that wasn't all there was. You heard CT at the very beginning of the service say we had about 300 teens and leaders serving all throughout the greater Detroit area. Guys, that's more than 2,500 people serving this week. And um, I mean, did anyone have a chance to be at the Troy campus on Thursday night? Raise your hand if you were there. Okay, guys, it was powerful. We're talking 40 baptisms, powerful. The worship time was incredible. All week long, I had been sending my son text messages because he was at Hope Week. So I was sending him text messages. Gabe, how's it going? And he responds, good. (laughs) I'm like, all right, dude, like, give me a story. Like, tell me what's going on. And he's like, no. I'm like, Gabe, you can't, I'm your dad. You can't tell me no. He goes, no, dad, because here's what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you what happened. And then Thursday when I get home, you're going to be like, well, I've already heard the stories. Good night. He goes, no, so I'm not spilling the beans. You have to wait until Thursday night to hear them all. And so Thursday night, church, it was so good. Thursday night, we got home after this incredible worship service, and we got to hear about his entire week. We were up to like 1130 to midnight. I mean, we were up late just hearing story after story after story until we couldn't keep our our faces open anymore. And finally, we were like, let's wake up in the morning and hear more stories. And they just continued all week and long. And um, it's beautiful. You know, just such a good, good time. So thank you to all of you who prayed for this week. Thank you for all of those who served, whether it be through Hope Week or through Summer Serve. It's just been a, a really phenomenal week. You know, staying up till midnight listening to stories that made me wonder, like, I, I wonder how many words do we use in a single day? You know, anyone ever wonder that? Thank you, guys, because here's what happens. In the first two services... In the first two services, I asked that same question. It's like crickets. Like, all I hear is crickets out there. And I look around, I feel so lonely. But the fact that you're like, yeah, I've wondered that makes me feel less nerdy. So thank you so much. Because, like, I know it is kind of nerdy to wonder, but I do. And then I wonder, like, does it matter if you're introverted or extroverted? Does that matter? Man or woman, does it matter? Some people think it matters. But so anyway, there was a study done in 2007 by the University of Texas. And we love the Longhorns. Everyone just do this. This means, like, go Longhorns if you're an OU fan. That's how you say it because they don't like Texas. Texan. Anyway, it doesn't. it's a southern joke. So... The University of Texas in 2007 released a study, and here's what they found. They found that gender doesn't really matter. Introvert, extrovert doesn't really matter. But the average person uses between 15 and 16,000 words every single day. Isn't that amazing? How about pastor? I know. Pastor's got to use way more. So I'm thinking some of you are like, well, I barely talk all day long. My job does not let me talk. I've got to stay super, super quiet. I don't know what job makes you be super quiet, but maybe you got the job where you got to be super quiet. I balance you out, just so you know. Like, so we measure, and so 15 to 16,000 words. But if you do the math and multiply by 365, that means we're speaking somewhere in the neighborhood of five and a half million words per year. Isn't that amazing? Now, that's actually going to be important for today's topic. It's really going to hold a lot of weight for today's topic. But before I get to that, good morning, everyone. I'm, I'm Pastor Billy, and it is my honor and privilege to be your campus pastor. Today, we're starting a brand new sermon series called Socially Acceptable. Let me explain that real fast. 
I think that in the church world, it's safe to say that there are certain topics we go back to again and again and again and again. So you're like, I get it. I shouldn't go around murdering people. You know, like you preached on that one. I understand. And then there's some topics, right? There's some topics that we talk about a lot in the church. And what happens is people go, I heard you talk about it. I know that's sin. I really don't care. I'm going to go off and do what I want to do anyway. And then I'm going to go back and be like, oh, I got to hear that message again, you know? And, and we preach about it. But then there's other sins. We really don't talk about very much. And once upon a time, we knew these things were sins, but all of a sudden, we've, we've started to come into this culture where church and culture have started to blend a little bit more. And, and these sins, instead of cutting them out of our lives, they've started to become socially acceptable. Does that make sense? Like we started to accept these things as normal instead of sin. Let's take our Bibles, open up to the book of Ephesians chapter 4 on your Bible or on your device, Ephesians chapter 4. As you're turning there, some of you have been around the Bible for a long time, so you've already got it marked. You're already there, Ephesians chapter 4. You're ready to roll. If you're brand new uh, to the Bible, I want to teach you a trick. You ready? Here's a trick so you can remember Ephesians. The New Testament starts with the Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you're just around the Bible for just a little bit of time, you're going to figure that one out. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, all of Jesus' life in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's where you're going to find it. Uh, that's the order, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I think the order is wrong, though. Like, they didn't ask me. I wish they would have asked me because I would have said John and Luke should be switched. It should be Matthew, Mark, John, and Luke because Acts comes next. Acts is part two of Luke. It's like Luke part one, Luke part two, right, would be... Acts, and so Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts and Romans. Most people can remember Acts and Romans because they're, they're bigger Bibles in our New Testament. And then First and Second Corinthians, also bigger book, but then it gets hard. Right? When you get in the epistles, like the, the, the books are just smaller, so I'm going to teach you how to remember the next four. Ready? General Electric Power Company. <laughs> and now you remember, General Electric Power Company, GE. PC, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Now you'll never forget. You've got it. But we're going to be, isn't that great? Because see, like, do you remember the geography thing? Go see Jesus, Galilee, Samaria, Judea. Anyway, it's a mnemonic device. You're going to, trust me, you'll thank me for it one day. Ephesians chapter 4. Here's what's going on in Ephesians 4. Paul is writing this letter to the church at Ephesus. And he's saying there are certain topics that grieve the Holy Spirit. We know from verse 30 that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Church, that's huge. That is huge because when you become a Christian, when you become a follower of Jesus, it doesn't mean you're green and you sign up to say, I'm going to follow these rules. It is bigger than that. When you become a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God comes and takes up residence inside of you. He comes and starts to indwell you. He lives inside of you. It is Christ in you that is the hope of glory. Do you see that? Like, so this is a game changer. Paul says when you have, when you have this anger and when you have this theft and when you, these things grieve the Holy Spirit, don't, don't do these things. These are a list of things. He's like, you really should avoid these particular things. In verse 29, when you look down, you're going to see he mentions destructive speech. See, destruct, when he's talking about destructive speech, he's talking about gossip and slander and lies, harsh words and curses. And maybe you struggle with any one of those, but I really want to focus a little bit. We're going to talk about all of them, but I want to focus more on gossip and slander than the, mo than the rest of them because I think those are the ones we struggle with the most. Do you know what I mean? 
And like when I walked through this morning, I didn't hear y'all all cussing out there in the lobby. Do you know, I mean, so with, within the church, because we're, we're in the church, so I want to talk to the church this morning. If I'm talking to the church, I would say I, I don't see that one being as big of a struggle in churches across America, unless y'all are sneaky cussers, which might be the case. You know, y'all might be sneaky running around out there cussing all the time. Uh, lies and, and harsh words, those happen, but, but I think awesome, oftentimes it's the gossip and slander that just rips churches apart. And I'm talking to you as your, your pastor, and, and I, would, I would say to you that going into this message, I think that what I see is a very healthy church. I don't see a place where gossip and slander is running rampant. I just don't. But guys, it happens just like that. It happens so fast because it only takes two. It takes one person saying the stuff and one person being willing to listen. That's all it takes. Now, when I say gossip and slander, here's what I mean. According to the dictionary, gossip is the casual or unconstrained conversation or reports about other people, typically involving details that are not confirmed being true. Another way to say that, gossip is talking about anyone not named you. How's that? If you're talking about that person, the struggles, they're having, and what we do is we dress it up. Right? In church, we dress it up. Oh, let's just, because we need to pray for this person. Let's talk about all the junk going on. Isn't that what happens? That's what happens. You know, we try to dress it up and we talk about it. Any person that's not the person that you see when you look in the mirror, when you spend a lot of time talking about them, that's gossip, slander, words falsely spoken that damage the reputation of another. So slander is when... You intentionally, you do it on purpose, you're saying things about someone that's going to damage their character. Now, maybe it, it catapults you a little bit. Maybe it lowers them. Maybe it's something in between. Now, I think what happens is we look at gossip and slander and we say, well, it's really not that bad, Pastor. I mean, you know, everybody does it. It happens sometimes. You talk about it. It's not that big. It's not like I'm murdering anybody. You know, it's not that big of a deal. And Paul would disagree. Romans chapter 1, you just write that down and go back and read Romans chapter 1 this afternoon. Because what you're going to see is as Paul starts to list some sins out, you're going to see gossip and slander mentioned right alongside murder. You see, we, we've taken and we've made a list of sins and we've said these are the really bad sins, haven't we? And these are the sins that aren't that bad. You know, they're just, they're just not that. It's just, you know, sometimes my mouth goes a little bit crazy and I just say all kinds of crazy things, you know. And, and Paul would say, no, that's, that's sin. There's holy and there's sin. And we need to cut the sin out of our lives, not look at it as no big deal or socially acceptable. Maybe I'm off, but I am. Um, church, I think that this particular topic is more of a struggle today than ever before. 15 to 16,000 words a day in every form, right? You write it, you tweet it, you Facebook it, you say it. I think it is so, just like that, you can hit send, you can hit post, you don't even think about it, you retweet it. You, you know, it just happens so fast that it'll just fly right out there for everyone to read. And it gets so destructive so fast. That's why we want to go to the Word of God for our truth today and how we should approach destructive words in our lives. First, we're going to see the big idea. The big idea is real easy to remember today. We need to use words of grace, not words of garbage. We need to use words of grace, not words of garbage. And we're going to go backwards. There's only two points today. First, you got to take out the garbage. 
Now, I'm going to say it a little southern because I'm going to see Mama this week. And Mama's in the south. And when Mama tells me to take out the garbage, she's not going to care how old I am. I'm going to say, yes, ma'am. I'm going to take out the garbage. Paul would tell us, you need to start by taking out the garbage. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 is going to be our key verse today. But be ready to take notes because we're going to cover a lot of scripture as we go. Ephesians 4.29 says this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So the first thing that Paul does, he focuses on the negative by calling the church at Ephesus to not use what he calls corrupting talk. So that's why Sundays are so important, because when you're reading through your devotions throughout the week, it is so easy just to breeze right through and read that word corruptive talk and not even think about it. But when you go back to the Greek, this word has huge implications. Corruptive talk, it literally translates from the Greek to mean rotten or putrid or filthy, there's other places we see it used in the New Testament. We see it used in reference of bad fruit. Have you ever let the fruit sit on the counter so long that it gets like rotten on the other side? Have you ever, have you ever done that? Or have you ever gone out with someone with apple trees and they didn't like, I don't know, for whatever reason, they didn't pick their apples and they didn't pick them up off the ground and it turns to applesauce, you know, and you can't walk through there barefooted like that'd be a bad plan and just walk. It stinks, doesn't it? Rotting fruit smells bad. It does not smell good. The other place we see it used in Scripture is talking about bad fish, right? The smell of bad fish. Anyone ever, anyone ever been part of seeing someone get a bunch of fish ready for a fish fry? Like, because what they do, they catch, I'm not talking like they catch a fish. I mean like they catch a bunch of fish. And they take the fish, they have to gut the fish, right? You got to gut them. And so they, they cut the fish open, they take the guts, and they... they Right there, and, and they just do that over and over and over and over until it just piles up. You ever, you ever smelled that? Some of you are making a face right now. And that's the intent. The intent of Paul is to give this idea that it should repulse us. It should cause a physical response, like a gag reflex. I thought about doing that, like that, you know, that face, you know, that people... Will do, but I thought you guys probably wouldn't like that, so I'm not going to do that face. I'm certainly not going to do the sound, because if I did the sound, some of you would probably just get up and you'd leave, and that would defeat the whole purpose of the word this morning. And so we're not going to do that, but the point is, it should repulse us. It should cause a gag-like response in us. Paul's not talking just about gossip. He's not talking just about slander. He's talking about all those destructive patterns that we have in our speech, so what happens when you hear gossip, when you hear slander? Does it, does it cause your ears to gag? Or have you hit this point where you're going to say, no, nah, I'm kind of used to it now? You know, it's just what the world does. It's just, you know, the filthy language, the jokes, the, the gossip, the nastiness. Like, I'm just kind of used to it. It's not that big of a deal. Or do your ears gag? Do your ears say, that's repulsive, that's, that's garbage? I don't want, or how about when you speak it? Because it's so easy at work, isn't it? Or, or sometimes around certain families where they just kind of pull you into that thing. And then all of a sudden, that destructive talk, that garbage will just come flying out. And it's not just Paul who talks about this in the New Testament. We see it from James. James chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. I encourage you to write that down. James is talking to the church at Jerusalem, and he says this. He says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers, which means he's talking straight to the church. 
He's not talking about this is good for everybody to be useful for teaching. No, he's talking to the church. He says, he says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if, if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but you're a judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge your neighbor? So James is speaking about the evil against one another when we talk like that. When that garbage flies out, he says it's evil against one another. It'll probably make more sense if I go about like this. They asked Jesus what the greatest command was. Remember that? Jesus said, well, the greatest command is to love Lord your God. Oh, but there's another part to that. You got to love your neighbors yourself. So they go hand in hand. You got to love God and you got to love people. And what James is saying is, yeah, but when you allow that stuff to fly out of your mouth, you're not loving people. You're doing the opposite. In fact, what you're doing is you're looking at Jesus saying, Jesus, thank you very much for telling me the greatest command. I just, I'm only going to obey part of it. I don't need all of the law. In fact, Jesus, why don't you get, this is what he says, why don't you get off your throne, Jesus, because I want to place myself there. I want to place myself there as judge and jury. Do you see how dangerous and gross that is? James calls it out in such a strong way. Jesus himself said in Matthew 12, 36, this is so sobering. He said that we will give an account for every one of our careless words. Every single one. 15 to 16,000 per day. Five and a half million per year. Keep doing the math as you add up your years. How can we in one moment confess that Jesus is Lord and in the next we just let that stuff fly right out of our mouths. It's so fast too, isn't it? I don't think oftentimes we wake up and say, I want to hurt those around me. I want to use my words to tear people down, but it happens. Now, I love something I read from Bob Goff this week. I was on Twitter and Bob Goff said this. He said, our problem following Jesus is we're trying to be a better version of us rather than a more accurate reflection of him. Isn't that what we do? You know, you hear sermons like this, and you know what we do? We walk out the doors, and we say, man, pastor's right. I got to stop all that cussing. I got to cut it out. I got to stop talking mean to people. I've got to stop gossiping all the time. I got to quit that, like, sharing everything on Facebook that I know is mean, and I don't care. I just like creating a ruckus sometimes. I, I, I need to stop that. I got to quit murdering people all the time. You know, it's a, it's a bad thing. I got to stop it. And we, what we do is we say, because I want to be, be the best me I can be. And that's so wrong. It's so not what Scripture teaches. The Bible teaches that when you become a follower of Jesus, the old you does what? The old you dies. The old you is dead. There is a new you, and it is Christ in you that is the hope of glory. You and I have a calling to live as Christ. We are to live lives that are holy and pleasing to God, offering our bodies as living sacrifices. That's our calling. So with that said, how are you doing in your heart with this? How are you doing with what you listen to, the people you listen to, what you're, what you're allowing your ears to be ears of peace to? What, what do you listen to? And when the gossip happens and the slander happens and the negative happens and the nastiness happens, do you just open them wide up and say, come on in, give me some more? Or do your ears gag? Do your ears gag and say, you know, I just don't want any part of that. What are you doing with what you say? 
How are you doing? Is, is there filth? Is there garbage? Is there putridness? I don't even know if that's a word. Is there putridness, though, that, that's spilling out of your mouth? Because I love that Paul in Ephesians 4, he doesn't stay there, does he? He doesn't stay at that gross place. Let's keep going because we're going to see that we can replace the garbage with words of grace. Look again, this same exact verse, Ephesians 4, 29. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, then follow the conjunction but. But only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So he starts by saying it should be good for building up. Now, this is where I get really pumped. Because this is what we are called to. We are called to use words that build others up. Proverbs 18.21 says the tongue holds the power of death as well as the power of life. You and I are called to be people who speak words of love and life. Isn't that awesome? That's what we get to do. We get to speak words of love and life. The very next thing that Paul says, he says we should share the words as fits the occasion. Do you see that in your Bible? As fits the occasion. But I really like how the NIV says it. Because it says we should do it as in the way that, that addresses the person's needs. Now, and I talk to people, sometimes I talk to people and they say, well, Billy, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm kind of an introvert. I don't need to encourage people around me because I'm a pretty quiet person. That's what they say to me. And then there's others who say, well, Billy, I don't need to encourage a lot of people because I'm kind of stoic. You know, I'm not an emotional person. I'm, I keep everything locked down. You know, I just keep it internal. You know, that's not what the Bible just said we're called to, though, did it? It didn't give you that luxury. It did not say, hey, everybody, this is a spiritual gift that probably only one or two people are going to have. Nope. It does not give you that freedom. This is an all play. So you have a responsibility do you see that? You have a responsibility for the emotional well-being of the people on your left. And you have a res uh, an emotional responsibility for the people on your right. We're supposed to address each other's needs. We're supposed to use our words to bring love and life. We're supposed to bring our words to build each other up. That's why groups are so important, isn't it? You're supposed to be in that group so you can interact with each other at this level. Now, we got to address something, because I think what's tough is we see Paul say this, and we're going, man, I, I get this. And when we step away from being right in the middle of it, it's so easy to see, isn't it? It's so easy to see that, yes, this, this is a much better way than how we do it. But the reality is how we do it is so messed up right now. I think we've taken... I think we've taken slander. I think we've taken gossip. I think we've taken harsh words... And we've elevated them to a position in our society that says we're going to hold that high. We're going to financially reward those people. In fact, we've built it into our culture so much. We've built it into our culture so much that what we've done is we've said this is what we're going to base our humor off of. We're going to base our humor off of tearing other people down. And it's permeated everything. Like you, sports radio, which should be about sports, but it's not, is cutting each other down. It's full of gossip. It's why some of you, you've cut the cable, right? You're like, I can't take it anymore. You don't watch the news anymore. You've told me that. You're like, I just don't want to mess with it anymore because it's just so gross. It's just nonstop. And what happens is, even though right now it has not permeated the church, if we're not careful, what happens is it starts to sneak in and our whole church starts to drift and we just start to drift to this gross place where all of a sudden the words that we hear are the words that cause hurt and pain and death. And that's not what we're called to. Paul says in chapter 4, verse 7, he says, But the grace, the grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. It 
It's a gift of Jesus Christ. And so we get to do that. We get to impart a blessing to those around us. Right? That's what we get to do with our words. We're building up. We're speaking words of love and life. We're blessing those around us. Proverbs 10 says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Think about it like this. Your words are a vehicle of God's grace. Isn't that cool? Your words are a vehicle of of God's grace. I think the best example in the world is Jesus. Jesus brought the gospel to us. Isn't that cool? When Jesus came, he didn't come to share bad news. He didn't come to share garbage. He didn't come to share filth. He came to share good news. He came to say, you are free. By faith, you are free. Forever forgiven, forever free because of faith. Isn't that awesome? Guys, we need the gospel. Every single day we need the gospel. You know a mistake I think we make in the church? I think that we look at the gospel as something that exists for when you place your faith in Jesus. And there's some of you, you've never done that. You've never placed your faith in Jesus, and today might be your day for that. But we need the gospel for more than just that moment when you say, I want Jesus to be Lord and Savior of my life. We need him every day. I need him every day. I need the gospel truth every day because life gets hard. That's why we're in groups in this church. That's why we have neighborhood groups, right? It is. It's why it exists because maybe you're swimming along great right now. It's all good and it's all God's. I love that. I hope that's where you're at. But there's probably someone in your group that that's not true and they're hurting. I've talked with person after person after person already this morning that that's true for them. Life Life is in a really, really tough spot. And what happens is you get brothers and sisters in Christ that say, let me remind you of the gospel. Let me remind you of the good news of Jesus. Let me remind you that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me remind you that he is our salvation. He is our rock. He is our hiding place. Let me, let me remind you that he is the Alpha and the Omega. That this is not the end. Let me remind you of that. Church, we need reminded of that. And I love if it's going great for you today, but here's the thing. Keep going because if enough days go by, all of a sudden it won't be going great for you on that day. And you're going to need your brothers and sisters in Christ to surround you and pour those words 15 to 16,000 a day. You're going to need some of those words in your life reminding you of the gospel. And so I want us to leave with some application this morning. I want you... I want you to think about what's the, most, what's the most powerful thing that anyone has ever said to you. What would that be? What's the most powerful thing anyone, and I'm not trying to like churchify it, but like seriously, what's the most powerful thing anyone's ever said to you? Because I'm going through, I'm thinking, you know, I, I, I'm married, I've been married for years, I have an incredible wife, and, and Amy does a great job of speaking encouraging things into me. I've got some great boys who are, are very quick to encourage me and say really great things to me. But as I was thinking about this, I thought the story I've got to share with you uh, comes from uh, our time at Riverside International Church. One morning at Riverside International Church, Amy and I started to count. We counted no less than 10 different nationalities represented. And guys, that's not like when we live here and say, oh yeah, I mean, I've got some Scottish blood in me. 
clearly, I sound like an Okie, right? I'm from Oklahoma. So anyway, it's not like that. No, I mean like 10 different nationalities. Like they are from that country and we were all, I mean, just really cool. And so one nationality represented was Brazilian. And my friend Marco Aurelio Castro uh, was from Brazil. And he would come up to me. And it's, it's interesting. When you would go in this church, when you would greet each other, men would shake hands and maybe shake hands and bro hug. You know, but to like when a man would greet a woman, you would get bajinhos. A bajinho is like a little kiss. Like where you, like you used that part of your, and you go to the left and, and right on the cheek, you know. And you always go left and then right because if, if you don't, you're going to bonk, bonk heads and you don't want to do that. You know, it'd be embarrassing. So you always go to the left and then the right. So men would kiss uh, women and women would, would give bajinhos to women. But men only shake hands with men unless you're Brazilian and your name's Marco Aurelio Castro. And then all the rules are different. So Marco walks up to me and he would grab me by the head, and he would he'd pull my head down, because he's shorter than me, and he, would, he wouldn't like bajinho me, he would smooch me <laughs> right there, and then he would smooch me right there, and it was, like, it was the kind of kiss that when you're like, okay, Marco, you know, and you pat him on the head, and he sit back, it's the kind where your cheeks are wet, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the wind would blow, and you're like, it's moist, but I don't think I should wipe it off and tell him I'm rubbing it in, I shouldn't do that, just leave it alone. And, uh, so anyway, he'd stand by us during worship. Every now and then he'd play with my beard. My beard was longer. And that's where I drew the line. I'm like, nope, stop. You cannot play with my face hair. That's weird. Like, Mark, I draw the line there. And so we're getting ready to shake hands. Because not just American church thing. Like, a lot of churches all around the world will do the turn and greet your neighbor. And so I turned to shake his hand at a distance. You know, kind of like, Mark, just shake my hand, buddy. Like, we're okay. And he looks at me and he says, Billy. Você cheira Jesus Cristo. And I, I stopped and I looked down and I kind of wrinkled my nose probably. I went, Marco, what'd you say to me? And he goes, well, Billy, você cheira Jesus Cristo. And I said, I smell like Jesus? <laughs> and he goes, sim, yes. And at first, I thought, man, that's a weird thing to be told. But then as I started thinking about it, I was like, you know, that's, that's what I crave. I want that when someone spends time with me that they feel like they've heard the words of Jesus. I, I, want, I want that when we've had lunch and I leave, someone says the flavor of everything about that meal was Jesus. When I've been beside that guy and I've worshipped with him or walked through the hard points of life, the fragrance, the aroma of Jesus just comes flooding the room. And I don't, I don't know if I was there that day, and I don't know if I'm there this day, but that's what I crave. That's what I hunger for. He had 15 to 16,000 words to use that day, and those four who smell like Jesus clearly hit me in a way that is still impacting me today. Don't say shit as Jesus Christ. You have the smell Jesus. Church, you have power in your words. You have power to build up the people to your left and your right. You have power to use your words as an avenue of God's grace, a vehicle of the gospel. We don't have time to allow garbage to fly out of our mouths. We don't have 
We don't have near enough time to allow our ears the opportunity to be open to garbage. Today we get to make it count. We bow your heads with me. I talked about I talked about our words being an avenue of the gospel. The reality is we have some people in this room who have never responded to the gospel. The word gospel, it literally means good news. And the good news is this. God loves you. God loves you completely right where you are. He loves you. Guys, we're not perfect, are we? I mean, we talked, I can't get through one day that I can think of where I would say every single word that I had had the fragrance of Christ. And I have a feeling that every single person in this room would say, yep, I'm right with you. Like, I am not perfect. We've sinned. That's called sin. Anything that's not holy is sin. We have sinned. We have fallen short. We have missed the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. I mean, that means the penalty, our payment because of our sin is death. It's eternal separation from God. That's why Jesus came. In case you didn't know, that's why Jesus came. He did what you and I can't do. He lived a perfect and a sinless life. And they crucified him. And they nailed him to the cross. But make no mistake, no man took the life of Jesus. He gave it. He gave it freely as a payment, as a ransom for you and for me. He purchased us. The incredible news is on the third day, he conquered sin and death and rose again. I don't know if you heard that. He conquered death. He conquered sin. He rose again. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you're going to be saved, that you're going to be rescued, that you will have a right standing with God in that moment. Not because of anything you can do, but because of what Jesus did. It's simply faith in Jesus. And maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never stopped and said, I am surrendering everything. I'm so sick of trying to cling to everything the world clings to. I'm giving my life to Christ today. And if that's you, what I want you to do, if you've never said, I want Jesus, I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life, on the count of three, I want you to throw your hands straight up. If that's you, if you're like, I'm surrendering to that today, I've never surrendered, I've never been saved, I've never been rescued by Jesus, but today's my day. Today's the day that Jesus, I'm surrendering. Just throw your hands straight up on the count of three. One, two, three. Hands straight up if that's you. God bless you. God bless you guys. I see you right there. Anyone else? Those of you with your hands up, I want you to make eye contact with me for a second. I want you to know something really cool. It's not a hand that makes you right with God. It's your faith in Jesus, right? It's, your, it's not a special prayer you can say. It's not that you attend a special class. It's faith in Christ and Christ alone. That's it. That's it. And so as we get ready to pray, I just want you to have this space just to ignore everything I'm getting ready to say, okay? This should be a time where you just get to pray to God and just say, Lord, thank you. Right? Thank you for saving me. Thank you for rescuing me. Let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for today. We do thank you for the free gift of salvation that you have offered to all. We thank you that through faith, 
through faith we are made right. Lord, your grace, your grace is more than enough. We thank you for a calling that we have to use our words as vehicles and avenues of your grace to continue to share the gospel to all those we interact with. Lord, I pray that you continue to take this church and do incredible, awesome, and mighty works, things that we've never dreamed or imagined. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, we're going to stand and we are going to worship and we are going to celebrate and we're going to sing because his word is enough today.